Hello and welcome to Dynasty as they want to be a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hi, hi. Hi. Well, a couple of days ago, I wanted to share with the listeners, the darlings, about us shopping for Febreze, which seems like it should be boring as fuck. Well, I don't think we were intentionally shopping for Febreze. Well, I was. There, You I, were. There was an ulterior motive and you didn't tell me. I was in search of something to remove an odor. And I just wanted to cleanse the air. I didn't want it to smell like anything. I didn't need a specific flavor. I just needed an air freshener. And Febreze has always been very reliable in that regard. But when we went in the the Febreze aisle at Target, I was just shook by all of the different options that are now available. Options? I I think it's more like chemically infused psychonarcotics. It makes sense that they have fresh harvest pumpkin. Makes sense. Get it? (laughs) That was unintentional. But they have pumpkin, of course. You know, summer's over. Labor oh, you're Day just going to gloss right over that? The fact that we have to deal with freaking pumpkin spice room air freshener? I, honey, it's been years. I'm used to pumpkin spice. What I'm not used to is... But see, that's when you lose. That's when they win. When you're just like, okay, fine, I'll buy the pumpkin spice. What, the pumpkin After lobby? After all these years, I've, I've you know, turned away. and now Well, I'm, I wasn't going to buy the pumpkin. Give but in and buy the pumpkin spice. You're <laughs> going to live the pumpkin spice life. You're stopping me from the real headline here, which is Febreze now has flavors based on locations. So at first I saw the Hawaiian Febreze and I was like, okay, pineapple I, can, and ham? I can get that. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a pineapple flavor. But then they had Bora Bora. What the fuck Which, is Bora Bora In the Bora world of chemically like? infused room sprays, like how does Bora Bora differentiate itself from Hawaii? I don't know. And then next to Bora Bora is Mediterranean. Well, that's different. That's like fish and olives. <laughs> I mean, just... I know I want my dining room to definitely smell like that, but I don't know about the rest of the house. Well, and then the one that we thought didn't have a flavor that just was Febreze air that you picked up. Oh, and that's the ultimate troll of them all. You think it's just going to smell like fresh air. Jesus Christ. What a revelation. Air like air smells, smells like lavender. smells like air, you know, but no, no, it smells like uh, lavender dry cleaning chemicals. And, and I guess lavender, but I don't know in whose world that lavender is but okay yeah so i searched and searched all the all the shelves and i couldn't just find like regular febreze for me they did have vanilla this is a foray into the postmodern life that we live because you cannot just have air anymore it's got to smell like something and Bora it's Bora. usually chemically infused it might be a urinal cake or artificial vanilla i mean but it's like it like can we just like smell just fresh air no that's impossible they don't even sell it in a can anymore they don't even smell self smell fresh (laughs) air in a can (laughs) you can't smell it and they don't sell it and you have to pay for it on top of it all so anyway this really has no relevance to the iconic 1980s television series dynasty but i just i want people to know and i want them to care we shouldn't we shouldn't take this. We shouldn't put up with Hawaii and Mediterranean 
air freshener. We should demand more. And by more, I mean less. We need more nothing. basic I want the smell freshers. of nothing. Well, you know what is not nothing is this week's episode. Wow. I did not realize we Into were going it. to get another new character. I knew she was coming at some point, but... Well, here she is. She's Hot here. Presses. So let's take a break and get into it. Into it. All hail Heather Locklear. She is a cast member on Dynasty now, according to the opening credits. You saw me. I almost fell over. Well, this is like how I was saying the other, like the couple episodes ago, where it's like they just spoil the whole episode with the titles. And it's like, oh, wait, Heather Locklear is coming on? Okay. Like, you weren't expecting that. And like, well, I was expecting You don't even it. see her in Sichu. It's just like the title card says it all. For some reason, I felt like maybe it was next season. Like, I wasn't exactly sure. I know she's not on later on. I don't know. It just seemed so sudden. I wasn't prepared, like, emotionally for this moment. And then she just flips around with her perfect hair and her big bright smile in the opening credits and i'm like okay we're getting heather locklear already i will say you were disturbingly excited that she was there in the titles it was excitement but it was also a lot of surprise i just wasn't ready but she's here so she's the niece of crystal yes and she and crystal are both from dayton so there's this like weird thing where Crystal sort of made good and left Dayton and is now, you know, married up and living the life. And, you know, Sammy Joe, a.k.a. Heather Locklear, is representative of this like the family line that stayed behind in Dayton and is just, you know, working hard, getting paid nothing and daddy's like in like a NASCAR celebrity or something or stock car list celebrity yeah, or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's got any Gillette sponsorships going on. Let's just no, say that I, I they live even, in a Winnebago and you know, all the money I think goes towards her high heels and Daisy Dukes, which she wears throughout the episode and gets close ups of her ass trotting around in them high heels there's something about the dynasty universe that needs this because we've gotten tastes of it before with robert uh not walter lankersham here's like uh sammy joe who okay i will say she's a character that like not so much this episode but very much coming up really kind of pisses me off but you're supposed to be pissed off by her that's her whole point so she's a well-written character from that standpoint but like she kind of needs to be here because she has more meaning in the Carrington mansion. Like, no, yeah, as this Are, dichotomy. I totally welcome her into this universe because you're right. We need this sort of outside perspective because this family is These so fucked up. These people are ridiculous. They're so getting away with rich. way too much. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like in the beginning maybe Crystal was suspicious supposed to represent that as the girl from Dayton but obviously she had to be ingratiated into Mm -hmm. this universe to marry Blake and then the drama just kind of picked up and then yeah you had like the Blaisdells they're mostly all gone now Walter Lankersham he's gone so we don't have like a normal person to go hey y'all is crazy AF 
So it's nice to have her in this universe to be like, wow, this house is really big. Is it a palace? I mean, I, th- I think at this stage of the game, we need to be reminded. Like, we've kind of gotten too comfortable and too used to this. And yeah, and the she's new the fresh characters, pair of eyes for all of this. Yeah, and the and, new characters like Alexis and like Dr. Toscani, they're not bringing that perspective. Well, Dr. Toscani is just a plot device. And Alexis is obviously on her own planet, which... We love that planet, but yes, it's very much like we need something to call this down to earth, and you know that's what Sammy Joe's providing. I like this. Yeah, and maybe it's not going to be this way, but Sammy Joe's backstory is kind of sad, but also kind of admirable. Like her dad kind of pawns her off on the Carringtons because Badilia <laughs> is his lady friend. Yeah. Was that Belinda, Bedelia? I think it was Bedelia. Brenda, what was her name? Bedelia. B-E-D-E-L-I-A. She's basically like the older aged out version of of Sammy Joe. So it's kind of like icky. No, I feel like she's the like, down home crystal. You, I think he was touching Sammy Joe's butt when he was hugging her like in the trailer park. And I was like, ew, this is like funky daddy stuff. And like, I don't like it. It was a little And then like she skeevy. walks away she, or tromps off in cha-cha heels or whatever. And then like Belinda comes around the corner from the trailer. Bedelia. Bedelia. <laughs> like, it's this weird like trade-off, like the daughter for the the girlfriend or wife well, or whatever. Well, you get you what's know, like, going on. Bedelia doesn't want Sammy no, Joe she around. Don't. She wants daddy all to herself. Yeah. So that's why he pawns her off on the Carringtons. But it's also kind of like he's trying to give her a taste of a better life, not just slinging vanilla cones behind a racetrack. So I, I, on one hand, I appreciate it. But on the other hand, he's kind of an asshole because he's letting his daughter go. But here again, how old is Sammy Joe? She is referred to as a teenager, but is she? I, would, I was going to say I would guess twenty based on. But again, like we've said before, everybody looks ten years older than they really are back then. Well, the way she's trotting around with her ass cheeks hanging out, it doesn't seem like she should be like sixteen, seventeen. Like I hope she's at least well. Of age. That is certainly troublesome if you're sixteen and dressed like this. But I'm sure there are worse things in the world today. So here we are, and the girlfriend slash. I don't know, like, are they, like, married? I couldn't figure that part out, and it probably doesn't really matter, but, you know, and she's she's dogging on uh, Sammy Joe. Oh, I had a dream that she was an ice cream cone, and she melted, you know, like... Melted so away. So I don't, I don't... But here's the thing. What is his name? Frank? Frank Dean, the father. Frank Dean, yeah. He is... The brother-in-law of Crystal Carrington. Yeah, he's, like, basically, like, third-rate Charles Dickens. Like, we need a plot device stat, and here he is. Yeah. Well, what's great is Sammy Joe really works her way around the Carrington mansion. Before she even gets to see Aunt Crystal, she runs into Alexis, and it's just the most hilarious clash ever oh i'm sorry aunt crystal (laughs) who are you well if you're my aunt i'm your niece sammy joe remember you invited me here well i didn't but your aunt probably did Uh, you're not her no i'm not well my aunt crystal invited me and am i ever glad i mean 
Is this a palace? Alexis wants to get some information out of her because she realizes this is somebody from Well, no, this is classic WT. This past. is classic Alexis opportunism because she was just up the, you know, the mezzanine instructing one of them, not Jeanette, but one of the others about like serve fresh squeezed orange juice only to Steven because after it's fresh squeezed, it no longer has its vitamins or something, you know. Here comes Sammy Joe, ass down on the stair railing. And Alexis is like, oh, what's this that's been presented to me? You know, <laughs> like, and she's like, oh, wait, I, I had no intention of commingling with this trashy woman. But now that I found out that she's Crystal's niece and she's going to stir up some trouble at the Carrington house. Then she's like all about it. Then she wants to know all the goods, you know. And then like I love that uh, Sammy Joe's like, oh, and what's your name? And Bye. Alexis just sort of like saunters off down the hallway, she like as she if wanted. she did not even hear her. I know it was, it's just part of her magical powers. Mm-hmm. And she goes in and has a little tête-à-tête with Stephen. Brings a smile to his face. Stephen has his whole other thing going on. But they have a nice, like, kind of moment. Was it supposed to be romantic? I was a little so confused. I think what's being set up here, and look, I'm I'm guilty of, you know... Foresight. Talking ahead. But, you know, Stephen basically has gay amnesia at this point. Is that... I was wondering about that. Nobody no. outright said it. No, but it's, I kept it's subtext, it. but it's definitely there. Like, he's hit his head... And I think it's very interesting. He remembers Alexis as the woman who went chasing rainbows or whatever. Um, But the rainbow reference, which, again, I I think we already talked, like, you know, it's maybe coincidental, maybe not quite. Who knows? But anyway, so, like, he's not really remembering, but he's associating with everybody. Well, let's talk about Stephen's medical condition. So he was in a coma after falling drunk into the pool, which... I just still don't Did he understand. Fall? Was that a, 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 a plunge on purpose? What was that? Oh, I think it was definitely like an accidental drunken fall, but I just can't believe that it caused all of this trauma and now drama from this simple fall. And also, like, how irresponsible is Blake? Like, a couple of months ago, he let his boyfriend die by pushing him and now he let his son run off and fall into a pool and nobody's taking any responsibility for this they're just like oh we're glad you're awake now and i don't know if it's the acting choices by al corley but i can't figure out like he wakes up and he seems like he's regressed a little bit and then he seems like he's i think i think al corley's definitely stretching his range uh, he's not doing very well as the uh, recently cognizant, formerly knocked out patient in a hospital. Yeah, uh, he's like upset and he doesn't remember anybody's names. And then he starts having these kind of little temper tantrums. And I'm like, wait a minute, is he acting like a little kid now? But then when Dr. Nicholas Toscani checks him out, he's like, A-OK, you know, the next morning. So... I don't know. I can't figure out (laughs) what this coma did to him. And yeah, there is that question of, well, and I think Blake is wondering it the most, is he still a homosexual or did this fix him? That really is. I'm telling you, that's the subtext behind all of that because it's not said, but it's 
if it's in the air, you know, and I think what sort of contrasts and proves that point is Alexis in the hospital room is like in zero makeup clothes and colors that do not complement her skin drinking coffee without cream right and it's like this is not alexis carrington this is like some other woman like who is this person like she's clearly a distraught mother uh in a hospital scenario but also like she's not the uh the fairy godmother to steven you know that she was before in this moment so it's kind but of interesting. now she's not totally an angel because she does use an opportunity when crystal and blake have a moment in the hospital to come out and say blake get back in this room oh, get yeah. away from this crystal. is just more of her manipulation and mm-hmm. opportunism and yes like you know and- but she's clearly distraught and also i would venture to say joan collins is stretching her abilities as well it's the lip quivering is well, a bit too much that is for sure i don't know if that's i don't know what method acting or lee strasberg acting i don't know what the hell that is yeah she's that's sort of like maybe it's jackie collins that's acting. a moment that she's not really you know great at doing although i feel like she's generally better than most of the acting on this show so oh, i'm gonna yeah, give her definitely. a pass on this one al corley on the other hand uh, it was uh, after like the awkward funky drunk acting with with daddy carrington in the prior episode like it's all a little like mm, i'm starting to worry about al corley here but. yeah i could have used him in that coma for a couple more episodes <laughs> you know how i couldn't have used more of was freaking dr toscani i wish he would go away and so does everybody in this episode he won't shut the he, fuck up he just turns up like it, it's like one scene ends and the next scene comes along and here he is again. And it's like, no, go away. And like, he's like, Claudia is like, even like trying to go on a walk by herself. And like, there he is like, you know, Jesus by her side, but she doesn't want that. She's like, I just want to be in my own world. Meanwhile, what do you choose to do? You choose to walk around here alone. You sit up there in your room and eat alone. Crystal has invited you down for coffee, but uh, no, go shopping together. No, you choose to be alone. Why? Because I'm growing fonder and fonder of my private world. It's not real, Claudia. I have nothing to contribute to the real world. No self-esteem. Minimal, okay? No, damn it. Because without it, we rot. This is more of like how like this... uh, Claudia is just such an interesting character. And she's got this like imaginative universe she lives in that's just like so unlike all the rest of these characters now was she imagining that beautiful fairy swing hanging from the tree or was that i don't know in reality it's, it's yeah that was very sort of idyllic and and i've never seen a swing like that that's made of actual vines other than like you know in peter well, pan on the I mean, Never yeah Neverland. i think that's like a riff like you know there was like this whole like 18th century nature philosophy thing that was happening in Europe and you would see paintings like this with swings that were you know wrapped in vines and it was also like this sort of like idyllic garden of eden thing or whatever but yeah i think i think claudia's in her own world though she's not even there when she sees steven come home from the hospital i think she does want to break out of that world when she sees him and Nic- nicholas toscani is like yeah just leave that alone for now he had a nasty bump on his head and 
you still may want to kill yourself. So stay away. Well, this is sort of interesting how like there's like a, a you know, through the looking glass with these two because Claudia and Steven before and Claudia and Steven after like they both have like gone through like all of these like very mental trials and there is they're clearly trying to like keep some sort of connection between these two characters in the show. I mean, it doesn't really develop here yet. Well, and they're both in the Carrington mansion now, which is going to make things really interesting to come, I think. So the weirdest part of the episode, and there was a lot of weird shit in this episode, is when uh, Joseph, Major Domo, comes in with uh, a huge sign that says, Welcome home, Stephen. And Fallon pops out of it dressed as a flapper or some character from a book. Like, I don't... What was she supposed to be doing? It didn't make any sense to me. Um, Hello. Have you not been watching this show? When Fallon is in flapper mode, she's like 110% mode. Like, that's... that's This is her persona. Okay. So it's like thoroughly modern Fallon. Basically. And I think that, you know, she's a 1920s woman in a 1980s world. Which, in a strange way, sort of, you know, aligns. So I'm there for it. And, like, this is, like, when she, like, leaves behind all the baggage and she's not searching for daddy and she's not pissed off about some testimony at the stand. She's full-on Flapper Fallon. And, like, this is when we love her the most. I, I think this is, you know, her deepest core persona. The other really bizarre thing that happened was uh, when Nicholas Toscani was talking to Blake about um, having a debt to pay and the most bizarre, that jarring was a random. editing like, Where ever. the hell did that come from? I don't know, but yeah, that kind of Guantanamo flashback. Shit got or, very gratuitously dark for no reason. Yeah, we flash to a... A hanging body and it's just like a quick cut and then a cut and then close up on Dr. Nicholas Toscani's eyes. So, I mean, obviously this has something to do with his ulterior motive that was referenced a few episodes ago, but it just came out of nowhere and was very undynasty like I thought. I guess we'll find out. It is amazing how Alexis is using this whole Stephen recovery coma thing to get herself into the Carrington mansion and weasel around, meet Sammy Joe, find out about her. And then I don't know what her deal was with trying to like learn Crystal's maiden name. Like, is that a big secret? Is that not common knowledge? Because later on she retreats to her artist studio to call a private detective or somebody to like, do a deep dive into Crystal Grant, Crystal's original name. Well, I mean, I think this is the episode that like formally establishes, you know, she has a, a mythology, Alexis Carrington, at this point in our pop cultural history. However, it is not firmly established until this episode in these moments where you're like, yeah, she's no longer trying to be mother to Steven and reunite with Fallon. She's now just being purely manipulative and insinuating herself all over the place. And now she's just going to be plain old dastardly and try to get the goods on Crystal Carrington and her former life. Yes, you you may remember me. I'm Alexis Carrington. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has been rather a long time, hasn't it? I would um, 
I'd like you to take on a little job for me. A sort of checking out, as it were. The subject's name is Mrs. Blake Carrington, formerly known as Crystal Grant. I want to know everything about her. Everything. And this kind of goes back to the weird thing with like a tale of two Daytons. You know, Crystal left Dayton and uh, Sammy Joe did not. And now you're sort of seeing these, these weird parallel lives reunite all under one roof. And uh, you better believe Alexis Carrington's going to, you know, make hay out of it. So, well, Crystal's going to have to prepare herself for this a lot more than she did this episode where the most she could do at Alexis was roll her eyes. Not once, not well, that's, twice. That's yes, three, three times. Three times count them, and that's, and that's, in different directions. That's the other thing in this episode. I mean, you you finally you you reaffirm what you kind of already knew from the last couple episodes. Like Crystal and Alexis have it out for each other, um, but they're doing it in this very like passive aggressive, fun bitchy way. And I just love that, like, all Crystal can do is roll her eyes. Like, that's her only power in this. Like, Alexis always wins in my eyes. I think it's very rare. I think sometimes Crystal gets the upper hand, but rarely. And, you know, here it's just like all Crystal can do is, like, roll her eyes. She doesn't know what else to do about all this, you know. Well, it doesn't matter because she's getting a new Rolls Royce thanks to Blake Carrington. So... Crystal is actually winning. Alexis is not. Like she barely can get her high heels up. Well, think about it. Uh, Alexis got paid off to go to Acapulco forever, and she got an artist studio out of it. And Crystal just got a rolls for making babies. So I don't know. I think you can stack those up and compare and contrast. Yeah, that's true. And she also did have to sign a prenuptial agreement. So well. Did you notice the uh, the the piano themes going on in this episode? Probably not, because you're kind of minor and don't really play, you know, a big part in the plot. But uh, you know, you, you originally have the, the themes uh, were in a minor key. The lunch with uh, Doctor Toscani and Crystal, and he's like calling out the Chopin being played by some pianist. Yeah, and in a in a Sono speaker hanging in a tree. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize they hung speakers <laughs> in trees back then at lunch. That's spots. like really advanced technology oh. for a coffee <laughs> shop Chic. in Denver. Yeah. That's how Doctor Nick Tostani's gonna befriend Crystal. Is you know like she has this like musical soft spot apparently, and like he totally mistreats her at table like i it's only like verbally but it's like kind of unacceptable oh he's totally a fucking misogynist the way that he talks to all the women on this show is pretty deplorable i mean even blake doesn't i mean he treats women bad but he doesn't talk to them he's at least classy about the way he does it right and the women just kind (laughs) of have to smile and laugh like it's funny or charming i mean i think they're trying to play it off as a joke but it's making me well, feel yeah and key yeah but this is like the worst because like crystal's like well now i owe you for talking trash to me you know <laughs> like i don't i don't get this power dynamic but you know this is i think all why crystal is such a troublesome character and uh and on purpose i think the writers you know did that i don't think that was just like a, an oversight of bad popular culture or, you know so anyway but that's the the first piano thing which you know like her original connection was with steven at the piano and and you know the first episode of the whole damn show and then uh there's this weird moment where 
Frank Dean, father of Sammy Joe, a.k.a. Heather Locklear, uh, shows up at the Carrington Mansion. And this is the only time that somebody literally references the Dynasty theme on the show. It's kind of a meta moment. And why Frank Dean, of all people, a stock car racer... Wait, he was playing it on the piano. He were, he were. Uh, this, this, I didn't even catch. That. Oh yeah, like you get the chord progression, and then suddenly you hear the first three notes of the melody, and you're like, oh no, this isn't just a coincidence. This is this the is dynasty some theme. fourth wall breaking that yeah. I was not prepared it's for. It's too meta for me, and and I haven't really digested it yet. Frank. Crystal. <laughs> oh, you look great. Long time no see. What a beautiful house this is. Wow. Hey, I'm proud of you, kid. You've done all right for yourself. Come a long way from Dayton, Ohio, huh? <laughs> but anyway, it's 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 interesting because he and Sammy Joe again are like this sort of like parallel, you know, life of, you know, the other side of Crystal's family in Dayton. And here he is, like, you know, uh, aspirationally tinkling out the dynasty theme on her piano in the drawing room or whatever the hell that room is. And any other piano moments? That was it, just two. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it takes three to make a trend, sorry. <laughs> Not trendy here. Well, the musical moment that I noticed was the terrible dubbing job that was happening in several Was this scenes. entire episode ADR? <laughs> yeah, I think the right. sound crew... There were lips moving after sound and lips making sounds yeah, that Yeah, it was a kung happening. fu movie for <laughs> yeah. half of the episode. I think the sound crew must have went on strike this episode because it was really bad. There were many, many moments where people were not saying what was coming out of their mouth. Well, I just want to say, like... This gay amnesia thing with Steven and Claudia's sort of like, you know, on-screen hospitalization. It's very much interesting to me because these two, I think, are the psychic center of this show, at least thus far. I mean, obviously, the show kind of evolves into other things. but So I think it is it's interesting that these two characters are so vulnerable and uh, at one point had an affair and now they're sort of very much separated, but living in under the same roof, you know, so I know there's, there's something about these two that I just think there's not, you know, there's unfinished business there. I don't know how it plays out. I don't remember. And maybe it doesn't, but these two, I think are the, the sort of the heart and soul of this show in some ways, when you think about all the plot lines and what's happened so far. So, Well, I am really glad that Dr. Nicholas Toscani put a number on how many rooms there are in the Carrington Mansion because it's getting full up in that bitch. This is a full house, yeah. Yeah, whatever happened to predictability? We've got, you know, Heather all Locklear, the regular Carrington, happens. Steven's back under the roof, Sammy Joe's in there now, Claudia Blaisdell's on Suicide Watch on Floor 3, I'm sure Dr. Nicholas Toscani has a bed because he's always fucking there. A baby's on the way. Like, there, there is no room at that end. It's almost like they spent all the budget on the house, and now the whole show's just going to take place there. 
And don't forget, Alexis Carrington is out back in this <laughs> artist out shack. In the shed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a break and get to our lurks of the week. Oh, God, let's please. Well, after last week's episode where I had to pick a tracksuit, which did make a reappearance in this episode, this kind of rebounded. There was a lot going on stylistically, I think. Nothing like fabulous or glamorous, but a lot of interesting choices. What was your favorite lurk of the week? I'm going to let you go first. Well, it actually wasn't like a look that I really loved. I just... Had a deep appreciation for it. And that's the blouse and skirt number that Alexis keeps flouncing about when Stephen comes home from the hospital. (laughs) Basically, she's wearing the uniform of a waitress at a Mexican restaurant. (laughs) And every time she appeared on screen, I just kept thinking... More chips and salsa? (laughs) Would you like more chips and salsa? (laughs) Well, because she also does keep turning up. Like, she's kind of like Dr. Nick Toscani in this episode. She just, like, kind of keeps coming in the door. It's like, where did you come from? And And yes, I would like another margarita. No, it was pretty bad, and I I guess maybe that was like there was a th- there was a moment I think in 1981 or two where there were these like uh, flouncy milkmaid tops that were happening, and I think that skirt was sort of the same thing. Like yeah, you know, unless but, it goes with the character because she just came back from Acapulco, right? That's kind of what I was wondering. Like, are they referencing her Acapulco days? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it was supposed to be, and it's like comfortable but still sort of fashionable, you know. To, Walk well, around the Carrington Mansion. She in. styled it a certain way. Did you notice that she's grandly walking down the staircase after she speaks with Sammy Joe, and she's got uh, these like sort of orange red opaque pantyhose on with that. Oh, so, I didn't notice the pantyhose. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like oh, well, that kind of makes it all different. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think there's still like some fashion moments in that outfit. I, but it is a little ridiculous yeah i really did love the sweater that fallon was wearing in the hospital but it just was too brief. oh with the uh, the american tribal motif on the chest oh i thought it was like a pixelated graphic from <laughs> that it was Mario like Tetris or something. Yeah, i, I thought know. it was like made by atari <laughs> so tell me what did you like i i actually really um i liked sammy joe's outfit in the library when she meets uh what the fuck's his name? Steven. I really Do you like, have amnesia too? I really liked Sammy Joe's outfit in the library when she meets Steven. It's, you know, it's obviously bad fashion, but this was a sincere look of the teenage rebellion culture of the early 1980s. You know, it's tight, it's high-waisted, your ass is everything and it's kind of paired with this like funky printed blush colored blouse that you know exposes the midriff and the cleavage it's just very much paired with the hairdo and you know and i like that her makeup is done a certain way that is not like the adults on the show so there's something and and then uh, what's also interesting she like says something about steven's hair in this scene 
And it's like, oh, yeah, she can't stop complimenting. It's it's sort of like how she and Steven have the same hair. But then like Linda Evans has the same hair. I feel like everybody's like just blonde parted hair in the center. Lots of moose. You know, all blondes aren't the same. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So I think and I think I I don't know. Was she wearing the cha-cha heels with this outfit? Probably. I believe she's probably always going to be wearing cha-cha heels. It's a contract stipulation. Yeah. So anyway, you know, it's yeah, it's, I it's, liked it too. It's an I liked important it too. look. It's not great fashion, but I think it's it's different from everything else. It makes a really and, great introduction. Yes. And this is very like, I don't know, it was probably in the Esprit catalog or something. You know, like this is yeah, every you pick, pick that 19 up year old girl was wearing this. Pick that up in the Mrs. section. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fucking Mrs. section is. Juniors, Mrs. Sophisticates, you know. Mm-hmm. Smells like teen spirit. Well, darlings, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dynasty as They Wanna Be. Kyler, thank you for joining me. I mean, it's always such a blast. It really is, especially now that we got this full house and all of these characters and intermingling and flashbacks to hangings and neon blue hot pants. We're on a fucking roll. I mean, if this isn't a setup for fireworks, I don't know what is. I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. Mm -hmm. Set it off. Well, if you want the explosions to keep lasting after you in this podcast, follow us on social media at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all the social media places. And if you're a fan of Dynasty as they want to be, leave us a review, rate us on Stitcher and iTunes. Go on Yelp if you want to. No, actually, don't go on Yelp. (laughs) Does that work for podcasts? (laughs) I don't think so. I want to see the two-star review of our podcast on Yelp. (laughs) Thanks again. Smell you later. (laughs) 